Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, please, to Luke chapter 12. As I mentioned, it's a little bit of a unique day today because we are, are short on time uh, in, in our, our uh, normal time that I would have, uh, finishing up around 11.30. Today we need to be finished by 11 and out of here fairly quickly because of the church that we're renting from and their, their needs today. So I'm uh, just going to preach... A burden sermon. This is not something that I have prepared as formally as, as a typical one. I'm not going to have slides for you today to follow, so I would very much encourage you to have your Bible there in Luke 12. If you don't have a Bible, they're all over in the window wells. Um, so uh, feel free to grab a Bible if you'd like. Uh, if you don't have one, and uh, you will need one today as opposed to normally having it all on the screen there for you. Uh, I want to ask a question, and this is a question that, that, that has been on my heart and that I want to relate to you today. And the question is simple. The question is not one you haven't heard before, but it's one that we need to bubble up to the surface semi-regularly in our lives as Christians. And I am preaching to Christians today. And the question is this. What if Jesus came today? Pastor, yeah, that's somewhat of a trite question. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's a valid one, isn't it? What if Jesus came today? Preparation from home. Luke 12 is an interesting chapter of scripture. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He has a lot to say to them. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch as they trod upon one another, he began to say unto his disciples first of all. So he's talking to his disciples, but then he broadens the the, the context. And we're going to broaden our context a little bit today. And he says this to them. He says, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, we're not going to see this until we get farther into the chapter, but Jesus is getting somewhere with this. And where he's getting getting with this is, is this idea. The idea of preparation. The idea of preparation for a time when Jesus will come, when the Lord will come. Now, Jesus hasn't even left yet, so, so he has not even departed, but he knows he's going to depart, and he knows there's going to be a time that where he will be gone, and then he knows he's coming again, and he's preparing his disciples for that eventuality. And we get to benefit from that preparation, and because we have the whole of the, the conversation here in Luke 12 with us, we don't just get to benefit from it linearly, but we can think through this in an organized manner. And so Jesus is moving in a direction here. And that direction in which he's moving is first he's going to give two bewares. The first beware is the beware we just read, beware of hypocrisy. And the second beware will be beware of covetousness. And both of these bewares are things which stand to threaten our preparation for Jesus' return. There are many things that can cause us to be ill-prepared for that time that Jesus says is coming when He will return for us. And we're going to think through, first of all, those things that that we are naturally inclined to give ourselves unto that actually can hinder our capacity to be prepared for Jesus' sure return. And the first one of those things that can hinder our capacity is this idea of hypocrisy. The the concept of hypocrisy is that I say one thing and I do another. I live uh, in secret one way and I live outwardly another. It is the concept of me lacking integrity, representing myself as something other than I am. And the reason why Jesus says, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, is this idea, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. It is easy enough for you to hide who you are from your parents. It's easy enough for you to hide who you are from your siblings. It's easy enough for you to hide who you are from your church. It's easy enough for you to hide who you are from your pastor. It's easy enough for you to hide who you are from society. But 
But one thing is for certain, you cannot hide who you are from God. There is nothing hid that shall not be made known. And we think of this in any number of ways, but the, re- the way that we're thinking of this today, where Jesus is going with this, is the idea that there's coming a day when he will return, and we are called to live in light of that day. And because of that, we need to beware of hypocrisy. Verse 3, he says, Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do, but I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which, after he hath killed, hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. And so Jesus emphasizes here, a lot of times we come to this place as followers of Jesus Christ where we, we, will, we will come face to face with the fear of man. And this is one way that we can live in hypocrisy where we know what is right to do and we know what we ought to do, but we don't do it around certain people because we don't want to be made fun of or we don't want to be uh, cast out of, uh, of, of a societal circle or whatever it might be. And then we come to church or we go home and we live a different way. And there's this idea of hypocrisy. And Jesus is warning here, not just that all the things that are said in closets will be revealed, but also this idea that one of the other ways that we can live in hypocrisy is that we can live in the fear of man. And we can fear man and so do things in a manner which is to conform to man and so step outside of what the Lord would have us to do. And Jesus says, far better, don't fear the person who can kill the body. Fear the person who can, after the body is killed, cast the soul into hell. In other words, fear God. If we fear God more than man then we will have the courage to do what is right and we will not fall into this trap of hypocrisy in that way. And the reason why is not just, and I love this, when Jesus says, fear him that can cast into hell, this idea is one that that sounds very harsh. But notice how Jesus couches this language. In verse four, he said, and I say unto you, my friends, he says, I'm not telling you this to threaten you. I'm telling you this to help you. When I say beware of hypocrisy, I'm not standing over you, mashing the hammer on you. I'm telling you something to help you. Notice what he then says in verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. And so he's saying here, You have value to God. God loves you. You want to be right with him because he loves you. Yes, fear this one. Fear this one who has judgment, not just over the body, but over the soul. But as we fear him, the idea here is reverence or respect. It's not terror in the sense that God shows up and I run and hide. That's what, of course, the guilty do, right? The guilty flee when no man pursueth even. But it's like a father or like what we would desire to have as a relationship with a author- any authority in our lives where we know that that authority has our best interests in mind. We love that authority, but we also recognize that that authority has authority, power. And because of that, we are going to dispose ourselves rightly to them, not terrified of them, but properly respecting their authority. 
Now, I must hasten on because we really don't have a whole lot of time. But Jesus continues here, and he, he says, uh, he warns here, verse 8, Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the, angel of, uh, the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven and when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers. So remember, Jesus is still talking here within this context of fearing God more than man. And first he says, he, he, he speaks to this as it relates to, to, to your actual testimony before men of, of the, the threat of denying God before men. And then he gives a scenario here in verse 11. He says, when they bring you unto the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take ye no, th no thought, or uh, how, excuse me, or what thing ye shall answer, or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And so we, we have this scenario then, and he says, don't worry about what you're going to say. I had a young man ask me once, we were, on a, a, uh, we were driving together, and he said, there's this, this idea in the scriptures about uh, standing up before magistrates and answering for Christ. And he says, I, I, I really, that, that troubles me a great deal. It troubles me in my heart because as I think through the scenario of what would I say if somebody questioned me about my, my faith in Jesus Christ and I was in trial for the faith and I, I don't know what I would say. And I took him to this because that's exactly the scenario that Jesus is, is giving here, right? When they bring you before the synagogues, the magistrates, the powers, don't, don't take thought what you shall answer. The Lord will give you thought in that day. What is, my, what is my responsibility then? My responsibility is to fear God more than man. My responsibility is to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, that is hypocrisy. To not live outside of the integrity that is in my own heart as it relates to my relationship with my Father. The Father who loves me. The Father who sees in me much more value than the sparrows. The Father who, through Jesus Christ, is our Father, our God, and Christ who is our friend. And so the first exhortation, as we think through this idea, what if Jesus came today, is beware of hypocrisy in your heart. That hypocrisy, there's nothing hidden that will not be made known. That will be made known on that day. As we seek to prepare ourselves for the day that Jesus comes, the first thing that we need to do is make sure that who we are is who we are. That we are living in a manner that is consistent with what we are presenting, that we're not living a lie. We hasten on. There's a second point here, beginning in verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he, that would be Jesus, said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus said, this isn't what I'm here to do. I'm not here to divide an inheritance among people. Verse 15, and he said unto them, take heed and beware. Here's the second beware. Beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. The second thing that can strip us of preparation for Jesus' sure return, for his hasty return, number one is hypocrisy, that we are living outside of the integrity of our own heart, that we are living outside, we are claiming one thing and living another. Second is that this world can strip from us preparation because we have rooted our, our affections, our desires, our priorities, our time in this world rather than in the world to come. 
But Jesus says here, a man's life consisteth, consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And in a country that is as affluent, as prosperous as our own, this is a lesson which dies hard in us. A propensity which dies hard in us because there is so much to be had. Even among those who are not wealthy in this country, there is so much to be had. So Jesus gives this parable in verse 16. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow, bestow my fruits. I have filled up all of my barns. I'm all out of space. What do I do? I've got more. He said, the, the, and he said, this will I do, verse 18. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be? Which thou hast provided. What if Jesus came today? You can't take it with you, Christian. If you have invested everything in this life, if all of your time, if all of your effort, if all of your priorities are the things in this life, if when, when, when you have a plentiful year, now, there's no indication as to exactly where Jesus was going with this per se. Maybe the right response would have been, I filled up my barns, now let me give the rest away. Let me go find those that have need and pour into them because I have had plentifully this year. That would be a very consistent response to what, what Jesus taught in the scriptures as it relates to generosity, a hand that is open unto others. One way or another, this man says, I will continue to root myself in this life and I will invest myself in the things of this life. And God says, you've invested yourself in the things of this life, but guess what? You're coming home today. You won't get to enjoy any of it. It didn't profit you at all. Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, can a person be rich, toward, rich in the eyes of man and rich toward God? Yes. That's not the parable here. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, right? We've talked about that before. This is not a parable against wealth. This is a parable about where your treasure is. You can be a poor man, you can be a wealthy man, but your treasure needs to be in heaven either way. And this is preparation in the heart. Beware of covetousness. First, beware of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy will strip from you a preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. Covetousness, having your heart in the things of this world, will strip from you preparation for the coming of Jesus Christ. As you think through what you did this last week, as you think through the week that is to come, the question that I ask you as you bring, and I encourage you to bring to your mind is this, what are you doing to be prepared for Jesus' return? Now, that doesn't mean we sell everything that we have and we go sit up on a mountain because he may not return this week. But are you living in a manner that is investment in the life that is to come? Because today could be your last day. Tomorrow could be your last day. Jesus could come today. Would you be ready? So Jesus goes on in verse 22, and he says unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for your body, what ye shall put on. 
The life is more than meat and the body more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barn. Yet God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass of the field, which to, is today in the field. Excuse me, I'm, 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 I'm reading out of Luke, but I'm quoting from Matthew. So let me, let, let, me, let, me, let me get back to Luke here for a moment. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I love verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That is his conclusion. Again, this does not mean that you cannot be prepared for tomorrow. That does not mean that, that you cannot have anything in savings. That does not mean, well, God's going to take care of food and clothing, so I'm just going to sit on the couch, eat potato chips, and expect it all to come my way. That's not the point. The point is this. Where is your priority? Where's your heart? Where is your anxiety? Are you fearful about the things of tomorrow at the expense of today? Are you fearful of the things of tomorrow so much so that you are allowing it to strip from you the peace of today? And all the more so, are you so busy investing in the tomorrow of this world that you have forgotten to invest in the tomorrow of the kingdom of God? And that's the question, because what if Jesus comes today? What will you have to show for it in the kingdom. See, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. But what will it look like when you get there? Are you ready for his coming? Because he's coming. And so we come to this interesting parable next. I call it the principle of the thief. And the reason why I call it a principle is because we don't just find it here. This is something, when Jesus presents this idea that, that both... Paul and Peter latch on to in their own teachings. Beginning in verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this, no, well, I'll get there in a minute. Jesus gives this illustration and it's the illustration of a man who has gone to a wedding and the servants are at the house waiting for him to return. And they don't know what hour he's coming. It could be in the morning, it could be in the evening, it could be in the middle of the night, right? It could be in the, in, in, during the day, in the second watch, in the third watch. But it is their job to be ready because when he comes, they need to be ready to open that door. They need to be ready to meet his needs. And that is the picture. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. 
And notice what he says. Notice the promise. He already said that it is the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. He says, and this is interesting. He says uh, in verse 37, Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. That the good man of the house, when he finds his servants so watching, will gird himself, make them sit down, and he will serve them. Now, that's not normal for a master and his servants. But that's the promise of the kingdom, isn't it? But you've got to be ready. Because this is for the servant who is found watching. He will bless those servants who are found watching. Verse 39. And this know that if the good man of the house, and this is a slightly different perspective, we're not following in the same train of thought here. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at the hour when ye think not. So now we switch to the good man's perspective in a different scenario. If, if a man who has a house, if a man who owns a house would know, if we knew the hour, if there was a, a, a posted rule, thieves can only break into houses between midnight and three every night, well then all I'd have to do is make sure that my house was guarded from midnight to three every night and we'd be fine. But that's not how it works. As a matter of, of fact, thieves go about to plan the, the, the break-in at the time when it would be least expected, at the time when it would be most advantageous to them. And Jesus uses that as a scenario, as a, as, as a, a way of thinking through this idea of the thief in the night. Now, I don't have time to go there, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul uses this same idea, that the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. Peter also uses it in 2, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. And in both of those passages, the essence of the idea here is not that Jesus is coming to steal, right? It's not that he is a thief, but it is that he, it is that he will come in a time when people are not expecting him. Now, interestingly enough, what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 is that we are not as those who will not expect him. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're going to have some sort of inside knowledge that somehow we are going to know when Jesus is coming when others don't know? Jesus said, no man knows the day nor the hour. But what Paul was saying is this, that if our loins are girt and our lamps are lit, then it will not overtake us as a thief. Though it will come when man does not expect it, we will be ready for him. And that's my question. What if Jesus came today? Would you be ready for him? Is your life filled with hypocrisy, whereby when, when he comes, he will look at your public persona and say, wow, yeah, that was pretty good, but he'll look at your life and your heart and he'll say, you were not a ready, ready servant. Is your life filled with covetousness? How, have, you, have you dedicated yourself to the things of this life so that when he comes, you're going to say, well, Jesus, uh, yeah, but all of my work is here. Can't I take all that with me? And he's going to say, nope, you can't take that with you. All of that work was for naught. It's there. You're here. You wasted all of that time. You wasted all of that investment in the things of this life at the expense of the things of the life that is to come. And so then we see one more, and, and I'm out of time, so I'm just going to bring you to this last little bit, because this is where we bring our application. Verses 41 to 48. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us, or even to all? Who are you, who are you giving this to? And the Lord said, Who then is a faithful and wise steward? 
whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Let's not worry about all of the ins and outs of who exactly. Let's just say it this way. You're either a wise and a faithful steward or you aren't. You're either, you're either a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and there are a couple of scenarios here that we'll look at. You're either doing it the way you're supposed to or you're not. So he says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maid servants, and to eat and drink and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Doesn't say that he will make him an unbeliever here. This is a servant. And there is a scenario in Luke 19 where we see the idea that there are servants, faithful servants, less faithful servants, more faithful servants, and unbelievers. But in this case, the idea is not that. The idea in this case is that the servant who, is, who, who lacks faithfulness will also, like the unbeliever, have much to be accountable for. It doesn't mean that they'll have the exact same destination. In other words, this isn't talking about heaven or hell. This is talking to servants about the nature of rewards. And notice what verse 47 says. And that servant, which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, he shall be beaten with many stripes. One more scenario here, and then I'll categorize it. Verse 48, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. There's three different servants here. Set the unbelievers aside. The unbelievers, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Theirs is everlasting torment. For the servants of the living God, there's three here. There's the servant who was faithful to his Lord, who the Lord will bless. There's the servant who, knowing that his Lord was coming, dedicated himself to the things of this life, dedicated himself to doing things his way because he didn't care and he didn't think that his Lord would come when he would come. And then the third is the ignorant servant. The ignorant servant was the servant who, who, who had not been warned about all of these things, who did not realize that the master could come at any time, who was not uh, aware of that and yet did wrong anyway. And within those three scenarios, the faithful servant is blessed. The unfaithful servant, who knew his master's will and didn't do it on purpose, not caring that his master would come, that one gets beat with many stripes. And then the ignorant servant gets beaten with few stripes. For whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. Now we take those scenarios, we have those three servant scenarios, and then we have the unbeliever scenario. And within this room, that scenario covers everyone, these, these four scenarios. First, there may be an unbeliever in here, someone who has not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not a servant of the living God. You've never accepted Christ. Jesus is coming again. And if he were to come today, you would be on the outside looking in. He would not be coming for you. You need to know that you're a sinner like we all are, that you've been separated from God, that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins. And that on the day that he comes back, he's coming for his own. And he's coming to judge the world. And I'd encourage you today, come see me after the service, whatever you need to do to get to the place where you know for sure that you are on your way to heaven, that when Jesus comes, he will come for you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.
But then as we close, let me ask you, what kind of, for, for those of you who are in Christ, what kind of a servant are you? It's hard to say that you're the ignorant servant at this point because you've been here today. Maybe you've been the ignorant servant to this point and you realize that and it's time to change. But then there's the servant who knows his master's will and isn't doing it. And there's the servant who knows his master's will and is watching. What if Jesus returned today? What would be his disposition toward you? Thank you for listening to Pastor Jamin Wickler from Legacy Baptist Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. More information about Legacy Baptist Church and a library of sermons are available at www.legacybaptistchurch.net.